0: Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of your hosts, Kim Ward.
1: And I'm your other host, Kurt Flagel. And on this first episode of our new season, we are going to be talking about the Enneagram again. But this time, we're asking questions about the Enneagram we've never tackled before. In particular, are there hidden dangers in the Enneagram? And if so, how do we navigate those dangers? These are important questions that need to be answered, so let's not wait any longer. Let's get started. So, Kim, you and I, we've used the Enneagram in understanding ourselves and how we relate to God, and we have done multiple episodes on the Enneagram over the years. In fact, we just did two episodes at the end of our last season of Life Herbs God Heals, but some concerns have risen to the surface about the Enneagram that you and I have really never delved into. They're serious concerns, and so first of all, we apologize for not having dug into it as deeply as we could have in, in the past, It's felt like a healthy way to practice both God-awareness and self-awareness. And we've done that from a standpoint of being rooted in the scriptures. We need to make that absolutely clear. The scriptures are the foundation for our faith. We believe that the Bible is God's word. And everything we do is grounded in scripture to the best of our ability. Now, some things have come to light when it comes to the Enneagram, that we need to address. But we start with an apology and saying, we're sorry that we didn't dig as deep as we could have in this. Because of the concerns raised, you and I went and did some research. Some things were offered to us to look into. In particular, we watched a number of YouTube personalities who specialize in Christian apologetics. Remnant Radio was one of them. Also, Sean McDowell, who brought in a guest named Chris Berg, who wrote a book talking about the dangers of the Enneagram. And also, we watched a debate between a guy named Todd Wilson, who pastors and also has, I believe, a ministry that um, teaches theology. And he is a proponent of, of the Enneagram. In fact, he wrote a book for Christians about the Enneagram praising its benefits. He was debated by a woman named Marcia Montenegro who was a certified astrologer, taught people how to to understand themselves in light of the horoscope in astrology. She is not a proponent of the Enneagram as a Christ follower. So that's where we did our research, listening to them. And everything we're going to talk about really comes mostly from, from those interviews and from those debates. So, Kim, let's talk about the concerns.
0: Yeah. It was kind of eye-opening, in a way, to have all these different sources all kind of coming at it with things that I hadn't really heard about. The roots of the Enneagram, you know, from the books that you and I had read— there was this idea that, oh, this is from the Desert Fathers, it's rooted in history, it's ancient, and it's just been tweaked in a modern sense, was kind of how that has been presented with the books that we were introduced to. Or at least the first one being, you know, The Road Back to You by Ian Morgan Cron. Even that one talks about the Desert Fathers and kind of an unknown origin. And then you come to find out from all the research that other people have done, that the origins of the Enneagram are much more recent than that. The Enneagram, as we know it, has only been around since the late 1960s. And that the roots of it are not what we've been taught. Like that That's kind of a concern to start with. But then when you start digging into it, you find out that the two major proponents of the Enneagram, Oscar Ichazo and Claudio Naranjo, were both part of the New Age movement. Which is <laughs> not remotely biblical. Right. And not remotely where, where we've been taught that the Enneagram comes from.
1: Yes. Let's talk a little bit about the New Age movement before we go any further into the concerns about the Enneagram. From my understanding, we'll start with me, the New Age movement is not just one set of beliefs. It's a number of different groups who have their beliefs that have basically over time have mixed things together from different spiritual sources to incorporate the idea of karma and reincarnation and other beliefs that have come out of buddhism and hinduism and astrology the horoscope as we've mentioned But out of all of these things that have come together, the biggest foundation is this idea that we as people are each God. And we have forgotten that. And we must sift through all of these layers of what they would call the false self to get to the true us. We are God. We would say God who is beyond us father son and holy spirit who has chosen to place his spirit within us and we are made in his image as scripture tells us especially in genesis that we were made in the image of god that's not what new age believes that they believe we are literally god and we've forgotten that and every practice for those who are in the new age movement is to help them awaken to that reality You and I have talked before plenty of times and used these terms of false self and true self. Would you agree that when we use those terms, the false self, we are equating that to what scripture calls the flesh or the sinful nature?
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Which is born out of the lies of the enemy, hence the word false, right? we often buy into what the enemy has said about us and have gone his way instead of God's as happened in the garden. And that's where the flesh and the sinful nature came into being was right there in the garden when Adam and Eve listened to the enemy and the deceiver rather than obey God. Would you say when we talk about the false self, that's what we're talking about? That's our definition of it.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's definitely been my understanding of it.
1: Okay. Would you also agree that when we talk about the true self, we're talking about God's image in us, the imago Dei, or the image of God, that God created us, mankind in his image, and only God gets to say who we are, because he's the one who made us. And so our true selves is whoever God says we are based on the image of God in us.
0: Yeah, you know, that's definitely something that you and I talk about every two weeks when we meet, pretty much. It feels like it is just a lot of where are we disagreeing with God and not believing what he says? And where are we receiving what he says about us? Doing the, as someone put it, the exchange work of the, the false, what you know, what the flesh, what the enemy has said about us. And exchanging that for God's truth, which we can only do with his help. Otherwise, it's just more of our own work and we <laughs> we stink at it.
1: there's that old saying that i love so much you ought to stop playing god because you are not good at it and the position is taken now the new age movement would disagree with that statement and claim to be god and we are very adamantly saying we are not god Mm -hmm. that position is taken by the father son and holy spirit and we are not good at it. In fact, we see Adam and Eve trying to take on that position and failing. And that's why we're in this mess to begin with. Because the greatest lie that we ever believed that we could be God. The enemy said that in the garden, right? You could be like God. And not like God in the idea of the image of God. Because we can be like God in that way. We are made in his image to be like him. What the enemy was saying, from my understanding, was you could be God. You can make your own decisions. You can choose what's right and wrong. You can choose your path. That is not true. We cannot be God, and we cannot step into his role and make decisions about our lives. He is the king of all creation, as well as our father, as well as the community of the triunity. He is king. And so we would clearly refute the teachings of of the New Age movement in that. And this is where the danger is, is because the Enneagram has its roots and was created, as you said, by two men who were followers of the New Age movement. Well, there was one man who created it, and then there was another man who became his disciple, basically, and spread it. Oscar Chazo, he's the actual creator. How does he claim, at least his claims, we don't know if this is true or not, but what does he claim happened to create the Enneagram?
0: His claim is that he was visited by an angel named Metatron. Not to be confused with Megatron. <laughs> and that he was given a vision of these hundred different versions of the Enneagram from that angel. And that that is actually what the system is based on. So then... Claudio Naranjo comes in, starts learning from him. For both of them, it was automatic writing, which is opening yourself up to spirits for them to kind of speak through you, sort of using you as a vessel. And Naranjo was a psychologist with a degree from Berkeley. And so he starts putting psychological language around it and putting it more into the personality aspects that, that we experience today, like kind of a joint effort between the two.
1: When we talk about automatic writing as a New Age thing, of sitting down to write something and allowing spirits to to write through you, what's dangerous is that the New Age movement sees no distinction in spirits. All spirits are good. Where we know from scripture that there are two different kinds of spirits. There are angels And the word angel really means just messenger, God's messengers who are in alignment with God, who are his servants. Mm -hmm. And then there are demons who are fallen angels with the one who's called Satan, who rebelled against God and are now actively opposing him. The New Age movement sees no distinction. All spirits are good. And so this is an issue, that this is where it came from, if that is to be believed, because remnant radio their deep delve into the Enneagram pointed out that both of these men, Naranjo and Achazo, both understand that in the New Age circles that they run in, having information given to you by spirits and angels, it gives you a greater influence with people because that's respected in those circles. So there is some doubt whether either of these men actually engaged With spirits to receive this information. There's also a lot of accounts that they were doing drugs when this came about, which is also a huge concern, (laughs) right? Because in scripture, the word for witchcraft in the Greek is pharmakia. Pharmakia is where we get the word pharmaceuticals, Mm -hmm. drugs. So those who would practice witchcraft enhance that to connect to the spiritual realm through using drugs you see that Native American practices with peyote and all that kind of stuff, that goes back to ancient times, right? So whether or not they really met an angel named Metatron or not, or if they just wrote this stuff down and used drugs to do it, it still got that, that sense of witchcraft involved in it. So obviously a huge concern that this is the, the foundation of the Enneagram. Now, there are those in the Christian community who have taken their work and attempted to turn it into something that can be used as a tool to help us grow in our relationship with God. Let's talk about those who are the most popular. There's Ian Morgan Cron. Mm-hmm. There's Christopher Hertz, whose book is The Sacred Enneagram. Ian Morgan Cron's book is The Road Back to You, as we've said, I believe. Already. Yeah. Christopher Hertz's book is... The sacred Enneagram and then Richard Rohr, has, he's been a huge proponent of the Enneagram for decades. So let's talk about what concerns we have when it comes to their writings, if any.
0: As far as Rohr goes, theologically, he has gone way off base. Not to mention, quite frankly, I read his book and it was a headache.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: There was so much language surrounding things that he he wasn't clear, and when he was clear, it was very much off scripture. There was not not anything I would have said was particularly biblically based for the most part, from what I can remember. So definitely I would say avoid him. He doesn't stick to scripture as being the foundational principle for, for what he's trying to teach. Christopher Hertz is definitely more accessible, I would say, but theologically... There are definitely a few areas I'd say he's pretty far off base. I mean, I read his book, but I also probably discarded about two-thirds of it. That's a lot. That's a lot. For me, the only parts I found any value in were when it came to my specific number, he offered contemplative practices to put into place. Things that you and I had already talked about, but that were more specific for my number. That was pretty much the only thing I found of any value within that book. So it's another one where it's kind of like, it's not really worth reading and putting a lot of time and effort into. I mean, it's fine if you want to just look at the practices part of it, but you're probably better off just looking at contemplative practices on their own and finding which ones God speaks to you best through and spending time practicing them than going for his book.
1: And we're going to talk about that because that's important. Mm-hmm. Contemplative practices are important for what we're talking about. So we're going to put that on hold for a moment. Yep. And we'll get back to that. But first, let's talk a little bit more about Hertz. You he rejected two-thirds of his book. So let's talk about what's the issue there.
0: I think it's one of language. When we talked about how you know we use words like false self and true self, that kind of language... I could see where, especially if you're coming into it as a newer believer, the language he uses could wind up leaving you, leading you in the wrong direction. So like, this is the quote that the Remnant Radio had a huge problem with, and I'm just going to read it because I have it in front of me. So this is from the Sacred Enneagram. The Enneagram is much more than just another popular formula to pair people to the collection of their personality foibles and eccentricities. It explains the why of how we think, act, and feel. It helps us come to terms with our gifts, as well as the addictive patterns that tether us to our greatest interpersonal, spiritual, and emotional challenges. The Enneagram invites us to deeper self-awareness as a doorway to spiritual growth. The Enneagram offers a sacred map for our souls, a map that, when understood, leads us home to our true identity, and to God. My brain just automatically interpreted that as tool. It's a tool. It's a tool. That's that's how my brain went straight to that, knowing that the Bible is the ultimate source. God's word, that's the map. So when I hear the other stuff, I'm just like, okay, that's this is just a tool. I don't think of it as anything else. But if you look at the words and you take them at surface level, it's kind of saying, hey, this is the only way to get to God. This is the only way to get to self-awareness. So I can understand the concern that then the Enneagram becomes the religion. It becomes the way to God instead of the Bible and our an actual relationship with God. And God doing the revelation and the right. revealing.
1: Hmm. Yeah, the danger is, especially in that kind of language, is that people become become obsessed with the Enneagram and worshiping it. And all worship really means is what's always in your thoughts in your heart, right? Whatever you're thinking the most about, whatever you're giving your attention to and your focus on, as Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And so what do you treasure? What are you thinking about? What do you cherish in your mind and heart? What do you focus in on? And what do you dwell on and meditate on the most? Whatever that is, that's what you treasure, and therefore that is what you worship. It's a dangerous thing. I've seen it, where people become obsessed with the Enneagram. That is a danger we have to be careful of. If you still plan on using it, it is simply a tool. Obviously, we're we're saying be very careful, especially if you're newer in your faith. We would recommend for those who have only been a Christ follower for a few years... And for those who have not been invested in and discipled by very mature Christ followers, we would say stay away. But before we get into that, we've talked about Richard Rohr, we've talked about Christopher Hertz, at least in passing, neither of which we would recommend. But the biggest and most popular book is the primer on the Enneagram, which is Ian Morgan Cron's book, The Road Back to You thoughts on that one
0: I mean it was my first introduction to it I would say out of all of them at least out of those three that it probably sticks the closest to scripture now obviously um, I've also listened to his podcast for a couple of years so I know that there are areas where theologically he and I disagree
1: do you remember what those are <sighs>
0: Not off the top of my head, if I'm going to be honest about that, because normally my instinct is to go, oh, okay, I don't agree with you on this thing, but I'm moving on. My brain's a big proponent of disagree but not divide <laughs> <laughs> with taking the good that I see in what they're doing and leaving the rest. I think for me, the, the, the thing that kind of is a sticking point is he does stick to the Desert Fathers story. At the beginning, when he's introducing what the Enneagram is and its history in his book. I don't love that he does that now that I know that that's not actually accurate and that the knowledge that's not accurate has been around since before he wrote the book.
1: So there's one of two things going on here. Either he's lying and perpetuating a lie that way. Yeah. Or he's been deceived, which we were as well. Yeah. On on that issue of of the Desert Fathers, of this being an ancient thing, right? So I would hope that if he's been doing this for long enough and writing a book on the Enneagram, that he's going to delve into those claims in depth before committing himself to a book and having his own podcast all about the Enneagram. So my concern there is, it seems irresponsible if this is your whole focus, and you're still perpetuating that lie, I've got a real question is, are you not doing your due diligence, or are you just perpetuating the lie purposefully? That's that's an issue, for sure.
0: Yeah, I know that both him and his co-author, Suzanne Stabile, both actually, at least for some point, sat under Richard Rohr, and he was kind of the one that was perpetuating the Desert Fathers a lot more loudly as a way of justifying using the Enneagram in a Christian setting.
1: Okay, so he he promotes that in the book. That's a red flag. Anything else with him?
0: I mean, honestly, I'd say for the most part, the rest of it, he does a pretty solid job on keeping to Scripture, on keeping it God-focused, not making it into something it's not. As a matter of fact, at the end of the intro, he makes a very clear point of saying... This is meant to be a tool to help you with your spiritual growth. If it doesn't work for you, don't keep going. Mm. If this doesn't work for you, if this isn't helpful, then don't don't keep going.
1: Yeah. One of the big things we've already mentioned is that the Enneagram is not spiritually neutral. Right? Yeah. And so the deeper you go into the teachings of the Enneagram, the more dangerous it can become. Christopher Hertz. And Richard Rohr go deep. The thing about the road back to you is it sticks to the descriptions of each the nine personalities of the enneagram more than anything else. He sticks more to explaining those and keeps it more in the idea of this is a, you know a personality profile to help you understand yourself. And with a big intent on like noticing your motivations, which is what I have always loved about the Enneagram, is that it helps me become aware when my motivations are out of alignment with God's desires. Again, knowing who God is and being intimate in an intimate relationship with God, knowing scripture well, to know God's desires, is an important component and also using the Enneagram as a tool. And therefore, a warning again, if you don't know scripture well, if you're young in your faith and you haven't been discipled, haven't been personally poured into by other people, it's best to stay away from this. Another concern that actually a few of them had, Martian Montenegro and those who are involved in Remnant Radio and that, the Enneagram is really not endorsed or recognized in psychological circles as a good personality profiling system. Like the one that they mentioned that's the best that is actually endorsed by like professionals in in the realm of psychology is the big five. You know, you can just Google the big five and do some research on it and what it is as a personality profiling system. But as far as the Enneagram goes, the only proponent In any of those YouTube discussions that promoted it was Todd Wilson. And I would say, for me, his arguments weren't very good. I would agree with him, it has worked for me. That's what he said, it worked for him. I would agree with that. But he gives no scripture whatsoever to really create any kind of affirmation for using the Enneagram. He never uses any argument that is based in scripture. Every argument that Remnant and Chris Berg and Marsha Montenegro would give, that they have concerns and they bring up scripture to back up their concerns, which I think is absolutely the way to go. To have a discussion and disagree with them needs to come from a place of scripture at some point. And this is what you said earlier. There is a big difference between disagreement and division. Disagreement is based on ideas, the head. And we can disagree. We're called to disagree with each other when it comes to challenging each other in our our walk, but we don't divide. That's a heart issue. So unless our disagreements are based on foundational core doctrine, the Trinity, the death and resurrection of Jesus, his death and atonement for our sins, the sinful nature of man, the very nature and character of God, Jesus being fully man and fully God, those are things that are foundational. The scriptures being the word of God, those things are foundational for our faith. If we disagree with people on those, then we have a cause to divide, to at least divide from being relationally involved, you know, and inviting them in to be heavily involved in our lives from an influence standpoint, Mm -hmm. right? But if we're disagreeing on things that aren't the core beliefs that every Christ follower should acknowledge, we shouldn't divide over those things. Having said that, even though Todd Wilson would say he agrees with me on using the Enneagram because it's practical and useful for me and where I am in my walk, I disagree with a lot of what he said in his justification for it. I think he didn't do a good job of debating Marcia Montenegro. I don't think he was listening to her very well and what she was really saying. But I would say that my experiences with God with it have been helpful. But again, the danger is if you don't know theology very well, if you don't have a mature walk with God and a mature understanding of Scripture, you got to be careful very careful. That's where I would agree with Remnant Radio, Marsha Montenegro, and Chris Bergen, and Sean McDowell. But I do have some disagreements with them as well. I think this is a good place to end for this first part in our discussion on the dangers of the Enneagram. Our goal in this two-part series is not to make decisions for you, but to do our best in giving you enough information for you to decide where you go from here. In this first part, we've talked about what we've uncovered as possible dangers in using the Enneagram as a tool for spiritual reflection. In our next episode, part two of this little series, we are going to be talking about where we disagree with some of those who warned us of the dangers of using the Enneagram as a means of spiritual reflection. We will also talk about some tools that we've found that could be helpful for spiritual reflection that may even replace your need for the Enneagram. Here's a sneak peek at what's coming next time. Marcia Montenegro does not endorse any contemplative practices.
0: Oh yeah, both her and Bergman to a certain extent. Both came down pretty harsh on contemplative practices which I've also found extremely helpful in my walk with God. So that certainly seems like a sticking point.
1: And we're going to talk more about what, again, what we mean by contemplative practices. And we've done plenty of episodes where we're delving into those as tools. Thanks for sticking around for just a little sneak peek of our next episode. Once again, we pray this discussion has been helpful for you. And we invite you to join us for the second part of this discussion. Until then, remember, you are God's beloved, so be loved.